All right, here we go with another uh, edition of Bull in the Basement. And as always, well, as your host, and because of the name of the show, I'm in my basement. Well, my guest on this episode, Andrew Kulik, is in a much nicer place down in North Carolina, right there on a golf course. Alligators awaiting to pounce on prey. <laughs> Andrew, good to see you again, man. How are you? Richard, it's awesome to be talking to you again, and uh, thank you. Yeah, short vacation down here. It's been busy up north, so uh, having, a, having a good time so far. We just landed here. There's a lot to talk to you about, uh, and we're going to do sort of a two-parter here in one. Uh, one of it is your Ukrainian heritage and background and the fact that you have family or there or did uh, recently. Obviously, the conflict going on. I want to talk to you a lot about that and how people can help uh, with efforts there. And then, of course, I want to be, Andrew... And it's probably too late for this, but I want to be your third musketeer, man. When it comes to the ultimate sports road tripping that you and your sports partner, Pete Farrell, have done over the years. Now, uh, for folks that don't know, so next to my wife, my family, and my pets, in, in the next, well, I'll throw God in there too. It's probably pretty important I do that if I'm religious at all, right? Um, <laughs> so besides all of that, next in line of things I love, sports and travel. Um, and you guys have done a lot of it. Um, and I want to ask you about that as well. So let me get to the sports part secondly, because I think, you know, on the world stage, what's happening in Ukraine is an abomination, obviously. And everyone, I mean, regardless of their background, uh, is worldwide, it, it, their hearts are bleeding for the folks in, in Ukraine. You've been there many times. You have family there. I mean, talk about what you're feeling with what's happening right now. Sure. Well, thank you very much for uh, putting a spotlight on that situation. And uh, actually, our sports road trip and the Ukraine topic do kind of overlap, and I'll be happy to explain. Um, yeah, um, I'm a first-generation uh, American, born in Buffalo, and um, both my parents were immigrants, and my dad was Ukrainian. And as a matter of fact, uh, legendary stories of his youth fight as a freedom fighter, fighting the Soviets and the Bolsheviks and trying to rid his land of Stalin, and then... Uh, of course, uh, you know, post-war, he ended up as a refugee and came to America and was unable to return. So that was my growing up experience with the Ukrainian church and Ukrainian grammar school and the language and, the, and our community here in Buffalo. And we have uh, probably over 20,000 Ukrainian-Americans in Erie County alone. So it is a substantial community of people. Um, I do keep in touch. I have four first cousins. And of course, they have children and more and some distant cousins. And I can trace my roots all the way to a small village uh, about 40 miles east of Lviv. And now everyone watching the news, we've all gotten a geography lesson of what right. cities are where. <laughs> right, in, right in the west, western end of Ukraine. And uh, I've had the fortune of uh, going on three trips there lifetime. One is a, on a student exchange as a youngster, but uh, we've done two trips there in recent years, in 2016 and 2018. My sports partner, Peter Farrell, went with me uh, we um, actually made it out to be a sports road trip and they got to visit and uh, meet my family as well. It's a beautiful country, uh, very warm. I, I think Eastern Europeans in general, I mean, you go to any house and immediately there's a table covered with food and vodka and, you know, and, and sociability. And um, the, the biggest thing I gathered coming from that experience is what I call the Ukrainian fighting spirit. These people desperately want freedom. They want to have the things that we here have in the West. They want to build a society that is, you know, good for children and just aspirational goals that we all have as human beings. And one of the things that's pretty universal there is nobody wants to go back to the old Soviet life. And, and there are stories in almost every family there of horror and genocide. And everyone can talk about a relative or an uncle or a family member that disappeared in the middle of the night that was executed in front of them, that was sent to the gulags. And, and this goes to the, you know, to the, to the Stalin years and the, and the great hunger when, when Russia tried to starve the Ukrainian nation. And it goes back to the Tsarist years and the 1800s and Tarashevchenko and the, you know, the, when, when Ukraine was declared little Russia. And it goes to the Cossacks in the 1700s fighting Muscovy. And there just seems to be dynamic that goes hundreds of years of Russia just trying to overrun and subjugate Ukrainians. And it's, it's, it's sad because these two cultures are just yin and yangs together. The languages are almost overlapping. The food, the music, everything is like almost the same. 
and and Ukrainians would love to live side by side in freedom with their Slavic brothers, but it just hasn't happened. And this time, Rich, people have said enough. We're not we're not going to do it again. And now with the power of social media and communications and instant everything, and it's a, it's a different world. And these people are fighting back. And I really believe they they will they will die before going back to a Soviet style regime and uh, being you know, subjugated by others. And that's why you're seeing that spirit that you're seeing now. And no matter what it takes, I really believe Ukraine will prevail. It's really remarkable the fight and resolve of the Ukrainian people through this, this conflict. Have you heard from your cousins? I have. And again, the power of uh, communications. It's funny because we've seen how horrible the roads are over there. And they have just infrastructure is still a work in progress. But one thing Ukrainians, you know, a lot of Eastern Europe, they all have state-of-the-art devices and communications. Everyone's got satellite dishes on their roof. I was a little astounded in a good way about that. So we do uh, speak regularly on Skype or Facebook Messenger. And um, uh, my, my immediate family, they're doing okay. Uh, they are in an area of the country uh, east of Lviv, which is out of the war zone. Uh, the first night there were air raid sirens going there. And in fact, in fact um, my prime contact is actually my second cousin. His name is Vasil. And he's uh, 33 years old, married, has a daughter. And uh, they were, you know, jarred at midnight and all had to leave their apartment buildings. The city's named Ternopil, which is 40 miles east of Lviv. And they were basically herded into a, into a square in a park and just had to wait for an all clear. Uh, his daughter caught a cold that night and they were sent home. So they have not had the deprivations except finding gasoline is tough, uh, food on the supermarkets is sketchy, so they stock stock up when they can. Uh, the biggest change is that they are welcoming and dealing with refugees from east, from Kiev, from uh, you know near the Black Sea, people who are fleeing Mariupol, the bomb. Yeah, 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 and heading towards either to stay there for relative safety, although that area could become a war zone tomorrow, uh, or going onward to um, to the Polish or Hungarian borders, where they're very close to, about sixty miles east, and. Um, over there, there are, I mean, every high school gymnasium floor, public building, uh, theaters, opera houses, it's all cots and portable toilets and, you know, and, and hastily crafted kitchens, all trying to, you know, service the tens of thousands of people who have fled. So that is, that's the human story there of what's going on in their neighborhood. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I say it all the time for people in this country that complain about, you know, we don't have this and we don't have that. Um, just think about them and think about the situation that they're living through as we speak. It is, it is absolutely tragic. And, um, you know, the other thing you, you mentioned geography of Ukraine, you're right. A hundred percent. I never knew that some of these, uh, some of these cities, whether it's, uh, Kiev or, um, Lviv, either one of them, they're, they're huge cities. I mean, these, these cities are, are Chicago, right there. I mean, these are massive, massive cities. Some of them, some of them. Yeah, Kiev is, you could compare it to Chicago. I mean, 4 million people. I mean, it has got a skyline and skyscrapers. When we were there in 2016, uh, Peter and I remarked, it looked like Toronto. Yeah. You know, I mean, buildings that were lit up at night. And uh, and in the midst of this, I mean, there's this, you know, they have a church on every corner, like we have a Tim Hortons in Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> with the onion towers and, uh, yeah. you know, so I mean, magnificent architecture and churches everywhere. Uh, but, and they have a, you know, a subway line, a metro line that's, uh, a little better than Buffalo's Metro Rail. Hopefully someday. <laughs> That's not hard to do, and, by the uh, way. And it's a it's a hustle and bustle. Lviv, uh, population about seven hundred fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Again, the architecture and the buildings are just splendid, and uh, lots of history because that land shifted from the Austria-Hungary Empire to uh, to Russia to Poland to occupy Germany during the Nazi years uh, to to a free Ukraine. It's always kind of been the bulwark. Of Ukrainian independence. So you have a mishmash of cultures, uh, you know, a huge Jewish community that just makes it a fascinating city to visit. And their, uh, you know, their coffee shops, their restaurants and everything are like second to none in, in a democratic country. It wasn't like that in Soviet days. The food kind of kind of sucked. I remember my first trip there when I was uh, in, in college. Uh, but it, it's a magnificent city to visit. And, and again, just, you know, great people, warm people everywhere. And, uh, you know, I was kind of a conquering hero arriving when I got there. I, I still remember I was wearing my Sabres jacket, okay? And uh, Pete's wearing a Bills jersey. And this old gentleman walks up to me and he says, where are you from? And this is in Lviv. I says, I'm a tourist from America and we're visiting. My father was a, uh, 
you know, uh, lived here from Berejana and uh, he fought in Upat, the Ukrainian insurgent army. And the guy welled up in tears and kissed me on each cheek and said, glory to Ukraine. And that's the kind of emotion you get. And, uh, and you know, Pete only knew a few words of Ukrainian. He's learned some since. He said, like, what just happened here? And, um, you know, it was, it's the kind of thing that I was made to feel welcome. Like I was one of theirs almost immediately. Yeah. Andrew Kulik uh, famously has written for Art Voice for years. One of the most famous and popular uh, reads in in Buffalo uh, on newsstands and now digital. A lot of his work uh, in terms of being, you know, a, a, a journalist it can be found on muckrack.com as well. So you not only talk about, you know, things happening around Buffalo, but you, of course, are a huge sports fan. And I want to get to your road trip and all of that in, in a moment, but I still want to talk a little bit more about Ukraine uh, and, and now I'll sort of segue to the sports part of it. And the fact that, you know, regular everyday people are taking up arms in Ukraine, you know, uh, women and children leave, men stay here, right? There is the, the call for what was it, 18 to 60, whatever year old men stay back. We're going to get you some arms and you're going to fight. And they do. And they did um, to the death, apparently. I mean, there are Americans we've seen that have gone over that are of Ukrainian descent that have gone to the Ukraine to take up arms to defend their, their native home country. It's remarkable. But guys like the Klitschko brothers, here's where the sports come in, right? The Klitschko brothers uh, are involved. Alexei Zhitnik, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he is still, but I know he was, was he the owner of one of the, 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 the soccer slash football teams in, in Lviv or Kiev? I think one of those. Um, he's obviously there and involved as well. So, yes, sports, in terms of Americans that knew, know any, I'll put it in air quotes, famous Ukrainian athletes, it is transcending across both lines. And you're seeing the fight. I mean, these are the Klitschko brothers, two of the greatest boxers ever now they have a whole different kind of fight that they've taken up. And like the boxing game where you fight to the final bell, I feel like they're in it until the final bell, whatever, whenever that is. It's really remarkable that, you know, the, the sport sporting angle of it. What mostly strikes me about them and Alexei Zhitnik, I believe is outside cave somewhere. Okay. I think it was a hockey program, but I haven't really kept up with his. That's probably uh, right. That's probably right. Um, but uh, these are people, I mean, Zhitnik, being a hockey player, you know, amassed a fortune, you know, it might have been smaller than what salaries are today, but it's still, you know, to make his life very comfortable. And obviously the Klitschko brothers, same thing. These people have the means to leave, take their family somewhere to relative safety and be very comfortable and then send contributions back. And they elect to stay and fight. And I mean, that makes them badasses. And I mean, the courage that courses through their veins is something I don't know if I had would have it within me. You know, I mean, if confronted with that, that, you know, horrible decision, do you stay, do you fight? I guess we would have, we'd find out quickly what's in our own souls and our own capabilities. But uh, that is that summoning that kind of courage and, and staying there, I think is what's giving a lot of their, their compatriots resolve because it's, it's like I say, it's very easy to go away and then send boxes of blankets with their, sure. with their money. Yeah. Um, um, so absolutely remarkable. To that point. Uh, I know you mentioned the 20,000 Ukrainians here in Western New York uh, and they are strong and they get together and they hang out and they party. I know they party. I've heard some good, some pretty good Ukrainian party stories from over the years uh, at, you know, at the Ukrainian center. Um, I've never been able to, to witness or take one in, but I, I, I hear the Ukrainians like to have a ball and they're fun loving folks. Um, but I know there's people here, that want to support the folks in Ukraine, whether it's monetarily, whether it's via supplies, whether it's medical supplies or, um, you know, uh, diapers or what clothing or whatever, blankets, whatever the case may be, food, if we can get it there. Um, and I know you know that there's a way that people might be able to do that here in Western New York. Sure. I, I think the best place to act, if you have physical donations and they are open literally every day there and they've got their kitchen open, if you want to pick up some uh, Berenike, which uh, commonly knows pierogies, but uh, all good stuff, you know, and um, that's the Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Church. They're at 225 Como Park Boulevard in Chiktawaga, just east of Union Road. But right across the street from the church entrance is the um, the Apple Tree Business Park. So it's yep. right there. And they are collecting contributions. I, I think I think the organization they're doing is ending up with medical supplies and medical relief to doctors right on the front. It's a very it's a vetted charity that doesn't involve 
administrative. You know, you donate to charities and sometimes there's some CEO making $8 million and then God knows where the rest of the money goes. And such is not the case. So uh, uh, Ukrainians are very uh, miserly and, and frugal. So they, when they put a dollar down for anything, they want to know where that it's going to its intended use. So I would probably suggest that that would probably be the best place uh, to, uh, to go to. I wish I had an online source to say, or click here, because yeah. that's how we do things easily. Uh, the Dnipro, and that can be found on Facebook, D-N-I-P-R-O, Ukrainian Cultural Center. And they have an active Facebook presence, and they are also acting as a uh, vessel to organize uh, support and relief. And um, they have a beautiful cultural center on Genesee Street. Uh, my dad was actually a founding member when he got arrived here in 51. That, that club opened in 1955. And he's got his name on a plaque there somewhere. And uh, he and my mom, that's where their wedding was. And uh, so I have a lot of, a lot of DNA into that building as well in that club. No question about it. So those are a couple of different ways you can help out if you're looking for ways um, to do it. Okay, so I'm glad we could talk about that uh, right out of the gate because it's so important. And it's, you know, the first thing you're seeing on the news pretty much every night. And it's horrific and there's no reason for it. And let's just hope for the best that it ends how we all hope it does and doesn't continue to escalate any more than it already has. Um, so let's segue to now a, a little bit more upbeat, fun topical thing that that people see a lot of times on my on my podcast and episodes and that's sports and that's you and pete and the ultimate sports road trip so okay 550 venues you've been to correct uh thereabouts i, I don't have the exact count but it's it's over 550 now lifetime and that's different venue experiences so we whether it be uh you know madison square garden for a rangers game or a junior rink in saskatchewan or the soccer stadium in kiev that's 550 separate venue experiences worldwide. Wow. Uh, is that in 1998? Is there a record? Do you, do you have the record? Do you know if there is one? You know, I, there are different metrics. I mean, you know, now, um, and thanks again to the power of social media, we have met and befriended a community of like-minded people who love sports travel. Uh, we have a, for one thing, we have a group called club 124. We're the inaugural members to the best of our knowledge. And, and to be in Club 124, you have to have had attended an, a game, a home game of every team in the NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. That's 124 franchises. We have 13 active members who have completed that beat and several more who are chasing. And then a whole group of sycophants and admirers who kind of hang out with us and say, we'd love to do what you do. And we all meet once a year. Uh, we all met to go see the Islanders together in UBS Arena in late January. Sadly, they had five inches of snow, so Kathy Hochul declared an apocalypse and closed down the city. Oh, no. The game never happened, so we just oh. drank. And everybody went back separately. Pete and I went three weeks later. Yeah. So that's a good story. But um, additionally, there are people who would count. Uh, we have a, a, a couple named Gary and the Kid, Gary and Mike from New York. Uh, they go to about 300 sporting events a year. I, I can't do that. I mean, being in New York City, they've got access to a number of sports franchises, then minor league and colleges. Yep. Um, but you know, I have a life outside of that and they're kind of crazy. <laughs> um, I think Mike went to like 400 events. I mean, think about that. You've got to go to double headers. You've got to go see Bridgeport at one o'clock and then the Knicks at seven o'clock and then you're at it the next day. And, uh, so they're kind of crazy in a, in a remarkable way, but, uh, the core thing is the 124 teams and, um, we, that, that's how we count. And we also, if a team changes venues or moves cities, we have to go back. Uh, for example, the Islanders, they, they played at NASA and then at the horrid Barclays Center. Yeah. And um, once they opened up UBS Arena, that went on the to-do list. Uh, the next one coming up, which came right out of left field, is the Arizona Coyotes. They left Glendale and they're going to their air quotes uh, temporary venue for the next three seasons, which is really a, an enhanced college venue. But I guess we're going to Arizona next winter. So because we have to say in our current and active venues, we have seen each team play. So uh, that's that. Those are our rules, and we have hit the finish line as of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have in my. You can't see them, but there's the wall to my right. There are four framed scratch-off things, and in every one of them is the football stadiums, the ballparks, the NBA arenas, and the hockey arenas. And obviously, the hockey and the NBA. A lot of them share. Some share baseball and football. Not many. But I, before I did this, I counted. I'm only at forty total of 124 now i think a lot of people say wow that's a good number that is a good number um more than many 
I don't anticipate getting much higher than that anytime soon, but um, it is really cool to, to, to do. And I, I had the good fortune of working with Bill's radio back in the day. And so, you know, my travel was taken care of for a lot of the NFL stadiums, but there's been so many new ones since I left that, that I haven't gotten to that I look forward to. And of course the bills will have one within the next three to five years, we hope. Um, so let me ask you this, what for you, and, and obviously you mentioned, this isn't just all of the 550 ish that you've done. It's not all pro there's college. Now high school gymnasiums don't count, right? It's gotta be yeah. pro college juniors in yeah. that realm. The, the rest of the list will comprise the following. Uh, in minor league hockey, organized pro hockey, AHL, ECHL, um, that type of thing. Uh, the junior circuits, obviously there's three junior leagues in Canada, WHL, the Q, and the OHL. And they offer really superb venue experiences. I mean, the, the new arenas in Ontario, I mean, go now that the border is opening again. Just over to Na Na um, St. Catharines, uh, Meridian Center is just a great place to see a game. And they used to play in a, uh, you know, a glorified, uh, you know, hockey barn. And now they're in a beautiful venue. Uh, moving on, the NCAA would be college football. We've been, I think, 55 of the Division One. Wow. So we're about halfway there, um, the, the college venues. I mean, you know, so, you, you know, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Wisconsin, yeah. Penn State. I mean, we, we've been to a lot of these places. Um, uh, college basketball, not only going to some of the major college basketball venues, uh, you know, such as UCLA and, and, and whatnot, but uh, we've done a sub-regional every year. And when we say uh, sub-regional, we don't like, okay, they're going to be in Pittsburgh, sure. But we go to places like T Tulsa and Boise and Birmingham to go experience an arena where we were normally wouldn't go because they don't have a pro sports team. So we, we've, we've checked off a lot of them. We're kind of running out of places to go because the NCAA is a rotation. We were going to go to Greensboro in 2020, but of course the pandemic canceled that. Uh, so there's that aspect of it. Um, minor league baseball, uh, you know, triple A, double A, single A. Now, now they've shrunk in the number of teams, but uh, there's still, I think of the 120 that are now the official list because 30 teams times four venues. I think we've been to 84 of the 120. So we have a little bit of work to do on that. Uh, then there's the MLS. So that's pro soccer. Right. And we've really embraced soccer, Rich. We've been to Europe seven times since oh, uh, awesome. all in the last 12 years. Yeah. You know, we went to see the Bills play in London. Yeah. Uh, we went to, you know, so Wembley, that's a venue experience. Um, but we've really embraced soccer because if you think it's like watching paint dry and the first time casual viewer could say, yeah, you know, when are they going to get shots? When are they going to get offense? You've got to go to a game in the Premier League or to Germany in the Bundesliga and see Dortmund play with 80,000 and the whole wall of supporters. And then you get it. And you're out there and the energy and the fan spirit and the music and the chanting and the, uh, the, all the clubs and the banners is just so over the top. You just don't want it to end. So now we have been across the Bundesliga and a number, I think 10 premier league teams and, uh, and, and just absolutely love it. Of course, the pandemic slowed us down. We went to Euro 2016 in uh, France, we had all set itinerary for Euro 2020 all got wiped out. And 2024 is being hosted in Germany, where I have family from my mom's side. Perfect. So uh, that is uh, that is on the look. So that that kind of gives you a flavor of what we get to 550. And okay. one of those I have to say is uh, Olympiski Stadium in downtown Kiev, mm -hmm. and we saw the Dynamo Kiev of the Ukrainian Premier League play. That's awesome. And that was also a memorable experience. Um, I had um, the the great opportunity, and I we didn't go, and I was really bummed out. But uh, the town that uh, Rasmus Dahlin is from in Sweden, uh, we were there a couple of summers ago and had or springs ago and had a chance to, to go to the team that he played for before he was a Sabre and sadly never went. And I'm still bummed out about it. We were right across the street from the arena and never went to the game. Um, but those those situations arise all the time. In, in a lot of my travels, my wife is, is weird with my fascination. Obviously you clearly have one. It's almost an obsession for you uh, or an addiction, but I am, when I see, if I'm driving, I don't care where it is. And if I, I see a lights, a stadium, a field, an arena. Yeah. I want to know what that is. hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm driving by, I'm driving through Williamsport down 15 to go to my brothers in, in Maryland. And I have to stop at uh, the little league stadiums where the little league world series are. I have to, I have to take pictures. 
this is where it all this blah 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 blah. And my wife is like, you're crazy, you're crazy. But it is, but it's you know, it's one of those things when you grow up a huge sports fan and you have a chance to see some of these iconic buildings, um, and and obviously sports being played in them is really cool. So for you, um, okay, does auto racing count? So have you been to Daytona? Does golf count? Have you been to Augusta? Does tennis count? Have you been to Flushing, uh, et cetera, things like that? It would if we'd done that. We we wanted to go to NASCAR. Uh, Pete lived, uh, grew up in Horsehead, so he used to go to, uh, was it Glens Falls? Watkins Glen, Watkins yeah. Watkins Glen. Yep. So I, he was actually volunteered there uh, when he was a teenager. Uh, but we have never officially been together. Uh, if we went to a U.S. tennis pro or whatever, yes, that would count as a stadium. But I've never been. We did attend the U.S. Open in Rochester. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we'd love to go to Augusta, and that that would count, obviously. Um, but right now, um, that 550 is all comprised within the five sports, our four North American sports and, and soccer. soccer. So Got it. it. Okay. All right. Um, what do you prefer? I mean, obviously, you've been to every single style, every single size. Do you do you prefer the the new ultra modern ones or the classical ones or something in between? That's a great question, because when we started this, and, and I, I'm going to go to 1998. That's when Peter and I had just met. It was an online sports forum. And our, our stop number one was actually a Sabres game uh, in 1998. And he came to our, we, have, we were season ticket holders then and uh, hung out and a new friendship was uh, forged. Um, when we first started this and, and kind of cooked this all up, we were all about the new venues. And I mean, obviously Buffalo just opened up a new hockey arena. You know, we're off to Columbus and it's, wow, they have these ribbon boards and they have this atrium with a cascading waterfall and, they have, <laughs> and all these bells and whistles. And man, we should have this. We should have that. And then after, after a while, because uh, major sports was in a building spree that was kind of incredible during that whole time. It's still there, but not like it used to be. Everyone was building a new stadium, and a new arena. And one was better than the next. And then we started saying, you know, these are starting to look, you know, become a blur. Everybody has got, you know, carpeted club concourses and, you know, signature amenities and that type of thing. And then we started waxing about, oh, they're closing the igloo. I mean, no, let's, you know, they're, let's go in there and just smell the spilled beer and walk up these funky concourses and look at the leaky pipes. And that, that also was just an amazing building and it's gone now. And, um, and then it, you know, now it's at the point that, yeah, some of these places are disappearing and have disappeared off the landscape. Some you don't miss. Uh, the Oakland A's, oh, God, God awful, the Raiders, that Alameda, said 80 million Oco Stadium, whatever they call it now. I, I've been, um, I would agree 100%. That was one of the most awful. That, and believe it or not, and I know the history there, and this is probably sacrilegious of me to say, but Candlestick Park to me was also horrendous. Yeah. So the two Bay Area we'll call them old school stadiums and the one in Oakland that they're still using, even the one in Qualcomm was brutal, just big giant concrete mm -hmm. slabs with some seats in them basically is what I remember. But yeah, continue your stories about them. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the, again, you have to look at the era in the seventies and it almost happened in Buffalo here. Uh, it was all about the mixed use baseball, football combo stadium. And at right. the end, when it talked about uh, fan comfort, sight lines, uh, amenities, even uh, usability by the teams, they didn't work well for either. And so it took a while to get it right. And uh, now, of course, the Raiders are gone. So it's a baseball only. So that was the, really the last one. And, um, you know, and, and, and just a little history lesson, because I was, I was a little kid, but uh, back in the late 60s, there was a plan to build a dome in Lancaster that would be home for the Bills and home for the MLB expansion team that eventually went to Montreal and San Diego. We were that close even then to getting a baseball team here. Um, and that would have been a mixed-use stadium. And imagine if that had all happened, what the discussions would be now about a replacement venue, because it probably would not have lasted this long even. I feel like you should be consulted by PSE and by the county and, and, and the state government on what the new stadium should look like, considering the you know your history and experience of seeing as many as you have. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because we've actually talked about doing that, you know, just putting a card in the business model and saying that if you have, uh, you know, any kind of design concept need or whatever and what works and what doesn't work, call us type of thing. 
And, you know, and we've broached conversations with people at our local teams that have either been met with, uh, yeah, that sounds great, or like an eye roll. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and, and it's funny, I'm trying to remember the exact same thing where we had, I'd actually put together a design concept and sent it to one of the former executives at the Buffalo Sabres. This is the Adelphia years. And, uh, and he was very receptive and said, gee, that sounds great, guys. And then they ended up doing this. And I think it was something to do with a, a point of sale thing at, at the concession stands that they probably paid a consultant $50,000 to come up with right. the idea. Right. And it's like, someone just talk to your fans and we'll come up uh, that. I mean, we talked with the Buffalo Bisons about bullpens. I mean, until the Blue Jays came in, these guys used to, you know, toss the ball around in the dirt on the outfield track. And it was, you know, one of the things that we really, the eye roll came when the uh, expansion committee came in the 90s to give Buffalo a team. Like, that's the bullpen. Uh, they've remodeled it since, but we saw a cool concept at a, at a minor league ballpark where the bullpens were actually amongst the seats. And we sent pictures and called Booch and Brad Bisbing and said, take a look at this. This would be amazing. And um, so it would be nice if they listened. But, you know, we, we continue the relationship with our teams. We love them. They love us back. And uh, sometimes, you know, the good ideas are just waiting out there. So for you, Andrew uh, and Pete, do you like, for, I think probably a lot of people want to know, you, you have to obviously do this on some sort of budget because, and I get it. This is, this has spanned 25 years. I, I understand, but still 25 years, 550 venues. That's a lot of events and a lot of travel. Um, so you, you must be, you must have a pretty nice spreadsheet to figure out where you're going, when, where you're staying, you know, what kind of seats you're buying and where, right? Yeah, there is, uh, first of all, it's creative planning with travel. So when we were really in the throes of all this, uh, you'd do a week and you'd try to get as many teams in as possible. So it wouldn't be just flying to Atlanta to see a game. Right. Uh, you know, we, um, uh, back in 1999, I remember we did a Thursday night game, I believe, in and this is NFL in Jacksonville, drove up to Atlanta, saw the Atlanta Thrashers, who are now the Winnipeg uh, Jets, on a Friday, the Atlanta Hawks on a Saturday, the Atlanta Falcons on a Sunday, and then back down to Tampa for the Bucks for Monday night. Wow. Uh, football. So that was five games in five nights. Right. And um, creative scheduling, you know, so you're taking one plane trip, renting a car. And, um, you know, and by the time we're done of that 124, we got five teams knocked off and completed uh, whirlwind trip, kind of crazy, but yeah. uh, it works. So every trip uh, we try to plan that. Interestingly, the, our most recent trip was the Seattle Kraken in the NHL. And uh, there was really nothing nearby. There were a couple of WHL teams we were thinking, but a couple cross-border and all the COVID stuff. It's kind of, as of April 1st, thankfully, we can just do all their silly app thing and just go. But uh, we couldn't go over to Canada. So we just flew out to see the Kraken, just the one game. But uh, Peter and I have touched 49 states and Puerto Rico. Wow. And seen games in 47 of those states and Puerto Rico. So, heck, if we're in Seattle, on to Alaska we go. Right on. So we took the three-hour flight to Anchorage and spent four days up there and did a lot of muckluck sightseeing and caught a college hockey game in Fairbanks to add another team to the list. And um, so now we got all 50 states done as well. That and is phenomenal. I, yep. So uh, the budgeting part of it, yeah. I mean, we've become experts at the cheap flights, the consolidator sure. hotel sites. Um, yep. You know, now, of course, you know, back in the late 90s, you had to write to a team or call to find out when are the Steelers putting their 200 tickets on sale. Yep. Now, of course, everything's online. Teams have sites. And then the secondary market is like a commodities market. So you, you can instantly purchase a ticket here or there. And uh, we've also kind of, you know, stealthily used our media access at, from time to time. And, you know, you write to a media relations guy and they, you know, the minor league teams are great at that. You know, you could be, uh, you know, have a taxing share of Dodge City, and they'll wave you an entrance. <laughs> NFL, not so much, but uh, yeah, the Seattle Kraken. You know, with our our Saber season credentials, they uh, they gave us passes, so that that saved a little money. Do you care where you sit? No, actually, this whole press box thing is is bad. Actually, so like with the Kraken, for example, because and I mean, you know, you 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 work in media, Rich, so you you've been in press boxes all over. And you know you're pretty much cocooned from the fan experience if you don't venture out. That's right. You know, you'll go to a dedicated entrance up a dedicated elevator 
and then you're there and they've got the, you know, they got the hot dogs and the soda in the back of the seating area for the, for the press. Uh, you have to walk through concourses and see, and kind of check out the food items, check out design elements. Seattle had great ones. They have a concourse that has uh, that, that literally is all a garden. It's, it's plantings on the wall and on the ceilings. The whole building is sustainable. They create the ice sheet for the ice that the team plays on with rain barrels and rainwater collection. Wow. And they want the building, they still do, they still serve in plastic cups. They're trying to figure out concessions, but they want to be totally carbon neutral by 2024. I mean, how remarkable is that to save the planet? Yeah. So that makes that building, you know, they say climate pledge arena and they mean it. But yeah, but where we sit is of no consequence. Um, Usually it's trying to get the cheapest seat in the building. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders, we paid an obscene amount of money because it's an expensive ticket there, uh, 200 and some dollars to sit three rows from the top of the building. Right. But, you know, hey, we're in the building. Yep. And uh, that's what counts. Um, Really tough questions to follow here. Um, Best fans you experienced. I'll start there. Then I got a a follow up to that. Again, Again, probably impossible to answer, but maybe not. Best fans from what aspect? I mean, in terms um, of did they buy the tickets and spend the most or? No, just, just in terms of, um, you know, you mentioned some of the, you know, Dortmund and, and the soccer fans, like in, 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 in a particular venue, the fans can make the experience, right? I mean, forget about the seat, forget about the food, forget about all the amenities that you've mentioned. The fans themselves, the ones you mm-hmm. personally interact with or, just the general excitement of the fan base in that venue. What fan base, what venue fan base do you think was the best that you can recall if you can? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep it to North America and our four sports because Europe is a whole different, you know, animal. Yeah. Um, I will talk about two NFL experiences that were memorable from that aspect. One was the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they have mimicked it in Las Vegas somewhat. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But Oakland, I mean, you see all these people in these black costumes and the skeletons and the chains and everything. It's not some outlier when you get that, you know, 10 second glimpse on a a television broadcast. These people are everywhere and they're very intimidating and they're loud and um, and really kind of fun to experience. It is a dirty shame that Oakland lost their football team. It's 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 a lesson in in the DNA and our fear in us that it could happen in Buffalo. And it's very true. It could happen in Buffalo. And if there's a fan base that did not deserve to lose a team, Oakland was it. So that, uh, and they just add a lot to the fan energy and the fan experience and the intimidating. Um, They were playing the New York Jets that night that we were there on a Sunday night football. And we were just wearing generic Bill swag. I had a polo shirt. We weren't even wearing the colors of the opposing team, but we heard it. We heard it. You know, like, stay your business here. Why are you here? But it wasn't in a nasty way, you know, not intimidating. Uh, the second great fan experience is the Green Bay Packers. And um, unfortunately, we had this website, the sportsroadtrip.com, and it became unsupportable with our platform. So we would have had to do like hundreds of hours of work to put it on a new. So we just deleted it. But we actually did a ranking of all the uh, teams in the four sports on all these elements. And the Green Bay Packers far and away became the best NFL stadium to visit. And I highly recommend it to the sports traveler. Uh to begin with, Green Bay is the size of Tictawaga. Uh, I'm sorry, Tictawaga is lost popular, about 108,000 people. The tallest building is a hospital building, which is eight stories. It is very intimate. The, the, the airport there has eight gates. And, uh, and here in the middle of it is Titletown and this, this monolith of the stadium, which has been re- remodeled and upgraded uh, in an amazing way to make it a year-round facility. And uh, it would be great if Buffalo did it was there. And I could talk about that if you'd like. What should Buffalo have in its stadium? But um, the entire state of Wisconsin turns out on game day. Every, every front lawn is a parking lot and a community gathering experience. Uh, where I talked about Oakland people being kind of intimidating and scary. Uh, if you're walking around and you look like you're from a foreign country or foreign team, people will welcome you. We, we ate and drank like fiends and didn't spend a dime because it was just strangers welcoming us to their tailgates as we passed by. And we're, talk- we're not talking about a large parking lot. They have that as well. We're talking about neighborhoods. And, um, and they are very loud. They sense their tradition and their place in history, being a community-owned team and going back 100 years. And it's electric there. It's, it is fantastic. And uh, we were there twice, pre-renovation and post-renovation. Well, it counted as one venue experience. It is one building. Uh, but we would uh, we'd definitely go back if, if we had the opportunity. 
It's it's it sounds it sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Well, in terms of yeah, you know, Buffalo, Buffalo has its fan base, and the, these new stadiums are so incredibly beautiful and so corporate, and have all the wow factors about them. That so maybe you think that it's going to dilute the passion because now it's all about you know sipping wine in the club seats and you know eating bacon wrapped shrimp and wearing your pressed dockers and everything but uh in a lot of cases not the case the minnesota vikings new stadium downtown you still have that whole vikings energy and the skull vikings thing which is really kind of cool and um buffalo has a tremendous fan base and this whole bill's mafia thing and i i'm not you know i guess i'm too old for this this you know getting silly drunk and cracking tables and everything you know i, I like i like being where i'm not getting rained and snowed on and I know, and I, I, I did my dues. The Chuck Knox era, I sat through every bit of mud and rain, and you know, and the talking crowd thing. So I, I paid my dues over there at, at, uh, in Orchard Park. But uh, has amazing fans, and I mean, it's fueling a, lo a lot about the discussion now about how much public subsidies should go into a new building because I mean, the team is just so much part of our cultural DNA, and you don't see that in, in other cities as much as you do in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, it is interesting that the commonality, though, between Green Bay and Buffalo, and then I'll move on. But, you know, the, the, the stadium is plopped down in Orchard Park and there are neighborhoods around and there are people that park in backyards of houses. And if you're walking to or from any of those houses or, or yards, you're pretty much welcome, provided even if you're not wearing Bills gear, even if you're the opponent. The Bills fans are generally very, very welcoming, like you say, the Green Bay Packers are. OK, so let's move on to food do you have you ranked food do you care about the food do you try all the day i mean we, we can be kind of snobby in buffalo we love our food we're good at it right so when it comes to stadium food um anyone that really knocks you out uh, in your travels that you're like wow like this is remarkable and not only is it great but it's also affordable yeah well let's and i'll, I'll talk about affordable and just popped in the head but um uh, food is very important, and it's actually the first thing, at least I look at, but we look at, and it's not walking into a stadium and saying, oh, let's grab a dog and a beer. Uh, we actually search, and we always do the first thing is, let's find the signature food item that is unique to this area. What do they like, and what do they eat? And we ask the locals, if I have to try something on the menu, what do we go to eat? And certainly, you find that sort of thing Um you know, at, at stadiums all over, just like we roll out our beef on WEC. And I'd like to say wings, but, you know, we, we, we had Buffalo chicken wings in Kiev before going to our soccer match. There. <laughs> we, actually, we actually found them and tried them. Uh, side story, by the time we were done, I wanted to go in the kitchen to show them how they were really made. <laughs> but, you know, they tried, okay? They're little bits of celery and everything. They tried. But, uh, but getting back to the stadiums, yeah, there are, um, you know, I mean, you go to, I'll, I'll just, Let's pick one at random. Philadelphia. I mean, you got the cheesesteak. Sure. So you go to a Phillies game or to Lincoln Field for uh, for for the Eagles, and you're gonna immediately get to Gino and Joe's and try their uh, try their signature item. Pittsburgh is famous for the Primanti sandwich. Pete, we went to the subregional in Buffalo. He and I, so we caught six games here. Well, him, I'm married now and I have a stepdaughter, so my life is taking a little bit different turn. <laughs> I, I this I never expected this this stage of my life, but here I am. So I have, I, you know, just so you talk about your wife and everything, you know, you have to, you know, family things, it gets a little tougher to just hop in a car and go to sure. T20 games with your buddy. Um, but uh, anyway, Pete went to Pittsburgh for the sub-regional. So he was four games Buffalo, four games Pittsburgh, and then two and two. So he was, he had a busy weekend. Um, you go to Pittsburgh and their, their signature item is the Permanti Brothers sandwich. If you're not familiar with that, it's, uh, you know, it's meat, French fries, coleslaw, served on sourdough sourdough bread you can add some mayo or some oil if you like to taste and it's their thing i mean french fries on a sandwich and um so that's the kind of thing we look for and we judge and we grade uh one of our famous stories this is a minor league ring now the gatineau olympiques where martin baran cut his teeth there as a junior uh that's right across the river from ottawa and we we caught a junior league and they've since replaced their venue i'd, I'd love to get back there but uh we're in this you know three thousand seat barn with you know the smell of stale beer and old black and white photos of all their teams going back 80 years and we're sitting in the stands and these people had these cartons and they're stabbing a fork into it and this strand of cheese is coming out so i ask and everybody speaks french there 
You know, once you cross over from Ontario to Quebec, everything changes. And I said, you know, excusez-moi, you know, what is that? And they said, c'est la poutine. I said, what? Poutine. What is poutine? This is 2008. So we went to the concession stand and ponied up and said, let's have poutine, please. Two poutines. Best item ever. <laughs> now you get poutine at every restaurant sure. in Buffalo. Yeah. It kind of yeah. moved its way westward from Quebec. But, um, you know, things you discover. And we could say we were poutine snobs from 15 years ago. And we can tell you, and like you can screw up a chicken wing, you can screw up poutine as well. Trust me. So the real stuff, it's its the crunch of the chips, uh, of the fries. It's the cheese curds, the, the, the gravy. Cheese, everything. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. got to be assembled and put together right. Heck so, yeah, yeah food, food is important. Affordability. I'll throw this out. The Atlanta Falcons offer a bottomless bottle of uh, a soda container for, I believe, $2. And they have hot dogs and, I think, peanuts and popcorn at $2. And, they, of course, they have their $15 signature sandwiches and beer is, you know, big prices like everywhere but if you're a bargain hunter man you just go and you get the bottom you know the souvenir cup sure then you just go to the fountain and you just fill it refill it yourself what a bargain in this day and age eh? no kidding no kidding um so going forward and like is there uh, tell me the place that you'd be that i would be surprised that you haven't been so you've been to all the all the major sports ones, but how about a college? Like, have you been to the Coliseum? Have you been to the Rose Bowl? Um, you know, just for instances, have you been to Cameron Indoor to see a Duke game? Like, wh- what are some of the places that I might think you've been, but you haven't, and you're maybe on your bucket list? Yeah, we um, uh, uh, interestingly a lot of college football. We've not touched the SEC too much. So I mean, Auburn, Alabama. There are some really big signature programs down there, and Cameron Indoor. Yeah. And you know what? There's a spot where you don't go on StubHub. They have, and I, with Coach K leaving now, that might all, I, I'll bet you they'll get a new arena because he insisted, let's keep it intimate. Let's do it this way. I mean, and just think about the man hours loss of people camping out in tents for right. like, weeks <laughs> for tickets. Yeah. And they're, and, and they do not have secondary market tickets. So you pretty much have to know somebody uh, to get a ticket in there. And, um, and interestingly enough, one of the interns for the Buffalo Sabres went to work at Duke University. We kept in touch, Leif Skodnick. And Leif said, if, you know, I can try to see if I can get you tickets. I'm going down there. But I lost touch with them. And uh, so, the, you know, it's, it's fascinating you brought that one up because that would be a tremendous place to go. And, um, and you know, just haven't been there. Um, um, some of the other places you, you did mention going to a NASCAR event. And culturally, it's not a big thing. I don't really watch a lot of it or pay attention. But again, for the call, it's, it's, it's truly a unique American experience. Yep. So just to go and I mean, and right away, you have to think Daytona, that would be the one because that's the that's the, uh, you know, the marker for NASCAR. So maybe it'll happen at some point. Again, you know, we, I want to go back just in my travels. You know, I, I went to spring break when I was in college in Daytona. And so I had to drive by the racetrack to get to my hotel and eventually the beach. And man, that place is insanely massive and same for i don't know if you've been to the indy 500 but you go to you see indianapolis motor speedway and i i drove around the outside of that when i was in indianapolis a couple of times again enormous facilities that you wouldn't think you know by looking at them and watching the races you're like "Ah, okay whatever it's a stadium it is what it is and then you see it in person you're like oh my god it puts most of what any of us have ever been to um you know on a completely different level um I will say this, LSU, I've been to a game, a football game in Baton Rouge. Go there. I went to an LSU-Alabama game. Okay, so you know. But, um, yeah, that's a great spot. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I love talking about this kind of thing because, to to your point, I've been to, well, only, you know, a third of what you've done. But whatever. Um, And if you throw in the college stuff, I've been to maybe 50 uh, total. But needless to say, it is so much fun to get to those legendary venues and see a sporting event in it, regardless of your own fandom. Uh, if you're a sports fan, man, it's so freaking cool. And Oh, by the way, you know, I see an endorsement for you someplace. Why is Travelocity or kayak or StubHub or somebody not knocking on your door and saying, Holy cow, this guy's been here, 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 here document, or maybe you do a documentary on your story and you show everybody where you've been, I think this is something that everybody would watch and take in, especially sports fans, because um, this is really remarkable. Uh, or write a book, for God's sake. 
You know, Rich, it's a good point. I think only because we haven't sold it. You know, I mean, you have to devote time sure. to putting a platform and then you have to go out there and kind of like uh, market yourself and yeah. say, we could do this. Uh, one of my uh, seatmates at the Sabres games in the press box says, you know, you could get a Netflix show and have a crew follow you around. And, you know, you, you see the garbage that they're trying to make content and that would be like so cool and nobody else has done it. Yep. And it's like, okay, where do I start? And it's, you know, you find a producer, <laughs> you find an agent. Right. Um, and as I said, you know, we've been at this for so long now and we are, um, and, and, and as I mentioned, my, my personal life takes a different focus when you're, you know, uh, you know, reading bedtime stories to a nine-year-old. And um, so we just aren't doing this as much as we used to, but yeah. you know, you never know. Some opportunities fall into lap sometimes at the least expected times. Brady came back. Yeah. We'll never, be, we'll never be rid of him. You realize that. Right, right. When, 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 he, when he's finally done and is, you know, and he had that horrific injury that's going to, you know, hobble him, he'll probably be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins or something. Oh. You know, it'll be like the shoe line again. No, you know? <laughs> no, God forbid. Uh, okay, one more time, Andrew. Um, the church on Como where people can go and donate items or cash to help other folks in Ukraine. Yeah, Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Church. Okay. We have five Ukrainian parishes in Buffalo, four Catholic, one Orthodox. We all they all we all get along. They're great people and uh they're they're there every day and they also have their kitchen open. If you like uh you know the Polish kielbasa and uh Holubchi, the Golumkis, they call them in Polish. Yep. Uh, these are all the same people. It's amazing they burnt each other's villages hundred years ago. They're all the same people. Uh and then of course Dnipro, D-N-I-P-R-O Ukrainian Club on Genesee. And if you go to their Facebook page, they have all kinds of links to how to how to help and support. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, I've taken up way too much of your time. You've been awfully generous to be able to talk about this. And the crazy thing is, in the almost an hour we've talked, we haven't even really gotten super specific about anything. Uh, but I just wanted to, 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 to tell your story and, of course, tell the backstory of you and, and how you're associated with Ukraine and what they're going through and kind of tackle both at once. And I'm glad we did. And I definitely want to check back with you, you know, sometime in the next couple of months and maybe expand on your sports travels. And hopefully at that point as well, this whole Ukrainian conflict will be over. We can get the folks back into their home country. We can start the rebuild, et cetera. Um, but let's do that. In the meantime, enjoy your vacation in North Carolina. And uh, thanks for being in the basement with me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rich, it's been great. Um, and Hopefully we'll be, uh, you know, one of the next stops on the USRT uh, tour will be Buffalo's new stadium. Yeah. I have some strong opinions on what should be happening there, but uh, that might be a conversation for a future discussion. Thank for you. sure. For sure. We'll talk soon. Enjoy. All righty. Have a good day.